This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast, and it's the day after the Reading game. The day we went to the Majeski, the day that we absolutely whipped the Reading, and the day that we thought, hold on a minute, this is looking rather promising. My name is Billy Grant, and I'm sitting here in the virtual lounge because the weather was not quite good enough for us to go and sit on a green somewhere. It's a real shame, you know, because we were on a right run, you know, a winning run on the green. So we've had to come back to the virtual round with me and my chums. But we're still going to talk about all sorts of good things, Brentford. Like I said, I'm Billy Grant and I'm sitting here with the Allard. Matt Allard, how are you? Very well. Good evening. Um, yep, very well. Very happy. Um, very content with my football support at the moment. Listen, we're not evoking, you know, this type of experience for the rest of our lives. But it's, it's kind of working out quite well for us at the moment, isn't it? And I want to count any chickens, of course. Yeah, it, it, it is working out um, well for us. I don't think you can look at it in any other way that that... that sort of the sea maybe we had already turned the corner but but just stopping the season and starting again it gave a few players the opportunity to get 100% fit obviously our captain being key and um, so it is working out for us to be honest Um, but however having said that I would rather we just have kept on going and we were watching football in stadiums of course yeah of course so listen we've got the liberal Nick in the place as well the liberal Nick how are you I'm really well Bill really good to see you I've missed our Missed our weekly chats or fortnightly chats, and uh, I'm glad that uh, the weather is uh, not doing you any favours up in London tonight. Beautiful evening down here in Devon. Yes, indeed. So, listen, we're going to crack straight on because we've got plenty of things to talk about. Obviously, we had the game at the Majeski Stadium, which was uh, very good. And we'll talk about that as well. We'll listen to what the fans had to say as well at that game. And also, we're going to look forward to the Wigan game. And we're going to talk to Adam from the PWU podcast as well. And he's going to talk about Wigan. Plus also there's been a little bit of news at Wigan. There's a bit of administration action going on down there. So he's going to give us a little insight as to what he's feeling about that. But first of all, we're going to go back to Reading and listen to what the fans had to say after the game. 
Third time we've said it since the break. What an outstanding performance again last night. We were exceptional. 3-0 winners. That third goal from Valencia absolutely summed it up. You know, he just swings at the ball. The ball disappears into the back of the net. The goalkeeper's floundering. Wasn't that the story of the game? Reading floundered against us last night. I thought we were absolutely exceptional. We played him off the park. They huffed and puffed a bit. But, you know, you can never make any argument that we, we shouldn't run out big winners in that game highlight of the game for me was the Norcar challenge on Swift I just thought that was brilliant it's the hardest fair challenge I've seen from a Brentford midfielder in many many years probably since McCormack and I wouldn't say McCormack's challenges were always quite as fair moving forwards you know I, I, I think we just need to keep plugging away keep plugging away I don't think we can afford to maybe drop more than two or three points if we're really going to do this but you know I think that's possible there's an argument we can win all these games we have looked so strong since that break I think going into what effectively was another pre-season with the same team that we ended that last half a season or three quarters of a season with has really really worked in our favour and they've had that opportunity to work with a few new players they're looking good as well Baptiste came on looked decent last night too Valencia has he stepped up a level maybe he has let's hope so I just think you know we keep plugging away at this put the pressure on West Brom and it's all possible come on you bees what an absolutely fantastic game fantastic performance um, I think the the key thing was we didn't make any mistakes at the back. We didn't seem to look nervous on the ball. We controlled possession, we controlled the game. It was just a masterful, professional job. Um, and, yeah, I'm just so proud of the boys. I thought Josh De Silva had an immense game. Christian Norgard, yet again, was uh, absolutely solid in defence, uh, in defensive midfield. Ethan Pinnock was a rock, as per usual. Rico Henry was up and down the left-hand side like nobody's business. It was just brilliant. So pleased for Joel Valencia as well, just because he's he's obviously worked so hard. He's been a little bit inconsistent in his cameo appearances, but he's come on and uh, he's been so effective uh, as a substitute over the past couple of games. And that goal was just absolutely fantastic. Um, I just think we need to be keep on taking keep taking the games one at a time. Um, but I'm dead excited for moving forward. And I think, yeah, the top two, we are absolutely bearing down on them. And promotion is now a real possibility. Come on, you bees. There was never any doubt we were going to win that game. Ready had one little spell where Pontus made that brilliant block over the bar. Other than that, we controlled the game throughout. We probably should have been three up at half time with um, Weymer missed one. There was another miss as well. Um, and the desire in that team to be successful, I think, was epitomised by the second goal where Josh De Silva shot rebounded. He had no right to be the first player to that rebound to put it away, but he cared more than any of the Reading defenders. I'm very pleased with Valencia to get that goal at the end. Didn't half hit it hard. Interesting to see him have half an hour, actually. I just felt there, was, there were no real negative points at all about that game. Um, and now, with six games left, four of them at home, I was gonna get, don't want to get overexcited, but these are heady days, and I really just think we should enjoy every minute of this, because these times don't come around very often, particularly for us. Never been happier to be so bored watching a football match. It was fantastic. We had complete control, I think, throughout every moment of it. And it was brilliant and not at all exciting because it was never in doubt. It was fantastic. My Reading supporting friend texted me just after the game and said, you were all over us. For sure you're going to get promoted. Um, it's, I, don't, I can't see us losing a match. But then at the same time, I can't see us winning them all. But I'm very excited. Um, amazing. Josh De Silva's goal was fantastic as well. I love the forwardness of it, just the bringing it in and chasing it up. And it was amazing. Fantastic performance. Really happy. Three fantastic goals. 
and Bremo with a bit of a fox in the box, snuck in, stuck little header. Very impressive the way Josh De Silva um, followed up his initial shot and would look so hungry to get to that ball first and get that goal. And an amazing strike there by Valencia at the end. Reminded me of the old um, ones I used to concede with the 99p Woolworths balls back on the playground. Used to move around. But that game's done. We've got to just concentrate on winning all the games that we got left. We can do this if we can keep pushing on. I'm absolutely buzzing, I'd say. I think we were uh, absolutely immense to a man right across the pitch. Everyone involved, subs included. Uh, we really, really looked the part last night and we seem to be getting better and better game on game. And uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's just really exciting. And we've got players on the bench that, that haven't yet been involved that will come in in, in, in the, the weeks ahead um, and that they will play their part, no doubt about that. Um, and we've got some tricky games. No, you know, make no mistake, there's, uh, you know, those teams down the bottom are, are no pushover, as we found out at Luton. Um, they'll all be fighting for their lives and they're all starting to pick up points but you know as the old cliche says we've just got to take each game as it comes and uh, I've got a sneaky feeling we, we might be uh, repeating uh, what we did in 91-92 so uh, fingers crossed Another really 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 good performance for me I really enjoyed it and uh, uh, a thumping win really without in my opinion getting out of third gear uh, great to see Norgard have another absolutely fantastic game he's usually one of those players you only notice when he's not there, you know so much he does, but it was really, really pivotal to so much that we did today. Um, I thought Valencia did so well when he came on. I can't have been the only one wondering why he came on rather than face who's done so well the last two games, but wow, what a goal. And it was really good to see a couple of the squad players getting some game time as well. Slight worry to see Marcondes' ankle with ice on it after he went off, but beyond that, it's getting to the point I'm starting to think we couldn't, could we? We can't do any more than what we're doing. We're just winning. And what impressed was the focus, the determination, the organisation, the skill, the, the will to win, everyone playing for each other, everyone covering, everyone doing their jobs and also trying to help others do their jobs too. Frankly, Reading looked like they were on the beach, but I think we made them look like we were on the, they were on the beach. We were totally in the zone. And we really are developing confidence. We're already one of the most skillful and best organised teams in the league. But now we are so, so confident. And that gives you a spring in your steps and makes you even faster and quicker to the ball. And Valencia, I think, what a great boost to his confidence. And you could see how pleased everyone else was for him when he scored that amazing weirdo goal. I mean, how the ball curve like that and the goalkeeper did this incredible backflip to make sure we got out of the way great goal and a high comedy moment as well but it just showed how valued Joel Valencia was by the rest of the team it's all looking good if we can keep everyone fit if the luck keeps going with us so when opposition have a have a, a chance the book the ball is blocked or clangs off a goalpost or the crossbar then you know what it could just be on up the bees. We probably could have had another couple more goals, and that's probably the, the most disappointing aspect of the, the whole game. Could have had five, six, seven if we didn't overplay all the time. Josh Silva, incredible follow-up for the second, and really, really pleased to see Valencia get the third. So that's a perfect record after lockdown. It, well, probably what all of us really, really 
expected and wanted. So we're following the course and it's going to be very, very interesting now come the end of the season. Wow, wow and bloody wow. What a fantastic performance from Brentford last night. And I think we brought us put in an extra wow for that Valencia goal at the end. Team was magnificent, pressing all over the pitch, high energy, the way that the defence has gelled since the restart, uh, it's just magnificent. I don't think we've seen a Brother Brentford team for many, many a year. And boy, let's dare to dream. There's absolutely no reason why we can't catch West Brom. They'll be looking over their shoulders. We're up against the form team Wigan on Saturday. But I have every confidence that Thomas Frank will lead our squad, and it's being a squad game, into actually towards the promised land of the Premiership. I have never been more excited as a Brentford fan now. Oh, just bring it on. Can't count the days down too fast. Come on, you bees. So, Reading game was very good. I think for once, I don't say for once, but I say for once this season... I think a lot of fans actually went, hold on a minute here. You know, everyone's been talking, or a lot of people have been talking about Brentford going for automatic. A lot of people have been talking about Brentford being the best team in the league on its day and all these kind of things. But I think that game kind of brought it all together because not only was the sort of kind of defensive side of us was very strong, the attacking side of it was, was strong as well. But also I think it was the way that we just managed the game and we kind of cruised through it. And I think there's an argument to say that also... Uh, okay, Reading were to a certain extent, as you heard the fans say, you know, with the deck chairs out. But also, you know, they 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 did they were trying and they did step it up in the second half. And I just think that we were far too much for them. The Allies. Yeah, I think we'll. I I'd be very surprised if we didn't play worse teams than Reading in this running. Um, I think there'll be teams more with the deck chairs out than than Reading were. Uh, they, they weren't the toughest of op- of oppositions. There's no doubt about that. But we played very 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 well. And, um, you know, they had a few moments, you know, I think I mean, even at half time, what was it, 52% to 48% in terms of, um, you know, in terms of possession, um, which didn't really ring true to me. But that's but they're the numbers that came up. And um, that would suggest, you know, that Reading weren't too bad. And, and, and I just think we did a decent job on them, to be honest. We kept them quiet. We kept them at bay. Um, and we, you know, we were professional last night. I mean, the Liberal, you, 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 were, you were absolutely delighted after the match for that game. I mean, how did you see it? Oh, I, that was an all-round complete performance. You couldn't have asked for more from the team. Um, I thought, I, you know, the, the, the stat that surprised me this morning when I looked back was that apparently we had 19 shots, nine of which were on target. I mean, I don't know about you, but I spent the first half of the game saying, to, shouting at my uh, computer screen, saying, come on, guys, have a shot. The Allard quite rightly will point me out that that is not the way that we play football. But um, we were so dominant in that first half that we probably should have got in four, five nil up. I was thinking it might be a Sheffield Wednesday score by the time that the game had ended. Um, you can't. You, difficult to find fault with that performance last night. I was just so impressed with the team, so impressed with the way that they've set themselves up after the restart. It's just been an incredible run. And um, we'll go on and talk about whether it can continue, but I see no reason why it can't. Let's talk about full. And again, we're not putting a negativity on here, but what, just as you've mentioned it, we might as well talk about it. I mean, there was a, a mention by some people saying that if anything, we did try and overplay 
a little bit, you know, maybe Watkins and Ben Rama either trying too hard, trying one pass too many, trying one little trick too many, you know, trying to beat the, the one extra man instead of laying it off. Um, did you think that was the case? Uh, personally, I did. And I'd be interested to hear Matt's take on this because at times it reminded me, I've got a friend who couple of years ago used to scream at the Arsenal team because you know they would play absolutely pretty football beautiful football but never actually take a shot on goal and at times as I said particularly in the first half I thought that was the case but you know you can't criticize that that now because we won 3-0 convincingly and you saw that the way that the team played so I think people like me who are tactical ignoramuses have to rein in our um, shouting that, go on, put your foot through it, man, because uh, actually the result was proved on the night. Um, unless Matt is going to tell us now that actually he feels that they should have been putting the, the more shots uh, in. Go to on. be honest, I think it's just frustration, Nick, from, from your side. I, I, don't, I don't think that was... I, I, personally, I didn't see it that was the case. Obviously, other people have referred to it because Bill's brought it up. Um, I thought that we were relatively clinical last night. Um, there were times where I thought Watkins snapped at shots and, and, and maybe didn't. And there's, a, there's another story about Watkins maybe we can cover later about this golden boot thing. So, yeah, no, I, I, I thought we... Um, I, I didn't really see that myself overplaying. I thought last night we were far more Man City than we were Arsenal. My only concern last night was that I thought there were occasions when possibly Saeed was a bit too selfish. Um, that's the type of player he is, of course, but I hope that he knows that because everybody is now watching Brentford, I hope that he knows that he doesn't have to go for absolute bust and prove that he is one of the best ball players that there is in the championship and actually at times, you know, becomes the absolute team linchpin of our team that we know he is and can and can uh, set up other players to score. Interesting what you were saying about Oli. Um, I do think that there must be a temptation to really from him to really go for this golden boot in the championship, particularly now Mitrovic has been banned for three games. And, you know, who can blame him? Because um, he'll get well rewarded um, either by us or by others for, for achieving that. But um, as I said, Saeed, you know, he's a wonderful player, but he can be a bit frustrating at times. OK, take, take both of the points. I guess um, Ben Rama, there were a couple of times where he did try and beat the same player twice. And um, there was, you know, um, on the edge of the penalty area, I kind of I hear what you're saying. But I didn't think it was anything, you know, particularly criminal in, in that respect. Um, Watkins, the golden boot thing, it worries me a little bit. You know, how do, do, does that affect him mentally? Does that... Does that mean that sometimes he'll shoot when actually he could have laid the ball off and stuff like that? Um, with, but that would suggest he was doing the opposite to what you were suggesting, so maybe not the case. So, yeah, I, I, I think with those two players, it is interesting to know what would be interesting to know where, where they are mentally in that respect. Because as far as I'm concerned, all I want those two to do is play for the team and play for Brentford to, to win games. I couldn't give, I really seriously couldn't give a monkeys whether Watkins gives, wins the golden boot or not. And I'd rather like to believe he couldn't either. I think it should be all about Brentford winning football games and Brentford getting promoted. I thought there was a very good comment um, from Sam Saunders, who was the pundit on Sky after the West Brom game, um, when he told us, or told the watching audience, us included, about um, Thomas Frank having put his arm round Saeed at uh, the beginning of this season and saying, look, you know, you, you, I'm glad you're still with the team. I'm glad you haven't left us um, in, this, in the summer break. I can promise you 
that this season you can go a long way with us and you can do yourself good. And I thought it was interesting insight from Sam and, and Sam was saying that Thomas Frank really has now become Saeed's best friend and that was noticeable. There was one game, sorry, somebody will remind me, when he ran straight to the bench having scored and, and, and jumped into Thomas Frank's arms. And I think, you know, again, that shows the great man management that we've got in the club. Um, and, but it was a comment that has gone unremarked, but I thought that was really useful. And that's why I'm pretty certain that the psychology and the, the way that the players are treated now is so different from that that it has been in, re, in past years for those of us who have long memories. Yeah, of I mean, you, you know, I, I just wonder whether, you know, we're, we're obviously coming to the end of the season. There's, there's stuff to be happening. There's going to be a transfer window of some sorts, you would imagine. And, but I, I wonder if this year everything's a bit quieter, you know, because teams don't, you know, clubs don't necessarily know where they are going to be financially and all that sort of stuff. Is there as much, you know, chatting going on behind the scenes, agents manoeuvring and stuff like that? I, it would be to our benefit if there isn't and the players can basically concentrate on getting this job done for the next few weeks. And talking about stats, I mean, the stats for this game is probably as ridiculous as you've ever seen. Brentford, 4.69. And... Reading, 0.51. That was the XG. And, uh, I mean, 4.59 means that we could have scored five, maybe six, maybe even seven goals. I mean, just going through these chances, if you look at the chart, the XG chart, it's about how big the bubble is. And these are just massive bubbles in the area, on the six-yard box, you know, 12 yards, eight yards. You know, there must be at least, oh, I can't even count them, probably 20, 20 bubbles in the area, probably even more. And then another 10 or so outside the area. I mean, we're talking about... Uh, Josta Silva on 64 minutes, a 51% chance of him scoring that one. You know, we're talking about Fumo on 23 minutes, 42% chance of him scoring that one. We're talking about Fumo again, 23 minutes, 47% chance of him scoring that. You know, Watkins on 59, 34%. Watkins on 59 again, 47% chance. You know, even the sort of lesser chances, Watkins on 84, 8% chance still inside the area. You know, um, Benrahma on 59, 11% chance. I'm not being funny, but this was just total domination from that. And as you can see, also, from Reading, they had one chance inside the area. That was uh, uh, Mite on 33 minutes, a 9% chance. That was just from the left of the area as well. Didn't put that away. Other than that, there's probably five or six dots outside the area. Half chances, quarter chances, you know, sort of kind of, I don't know, 10%, 9%, 6%, 4% chance of scoring. Of course, one of them could have gone into the back of the net, but it just goes to show you how much we control that game and the defensive dominance. It's interesting to hear the, the, the pundits all raving about how Brentford have just changed. They've come from this team who, you know, defensively were probably a little bit fragile for the position that we were in last season to now being this really, really, really tight defensive unit. And I think yesterday, I mean, there might have been a sort of half chance somewhere, but other than that, I actually didn't feel nervous at all from the defensive angle, I mean, I just wanted us to score more goals. I mean, you, the Alon. Yeah, there was. Uh, Reading had the, the the shot on the edge of the area that, um, in the end, took a deflection. I think it was Pontus that threw himself in front of it. Ray may well have had it covered, so maybe you know it, it, it wouldn't have gone in anyway. I think you're right. I mean, the defence we we know it's ridiculously strong. We haven't let a goal in now for four games. It, it's not just about the back two or even the back four. You know, Norgard is exceptional. He's doing an exceptional job. We've, I've already said it earlier in the um, the clips from last night, but what a challenge that was on Swift when he basically put Swift up in the air. And, and I don't mean it was a challenge because it was nasty. It was just a full-on, I'm going to win this ball challenge. 
I'm the man, this is my ball, I'm winning it. And Norgard is just, he's grown in, in years in the last three or four months of the, of the football we've played. Forget, you know, I'm not talking about not including the three months we haven't played football. But he's just grown so much from, let's say, November time, where he was probably still struggling to feel it a bit. I, I just see him, he's, he's virtually running games now. Also, another interesting stat, just talking about us and um, how, how far we've come. The, the most championship wins by three or more goals in this season is Brentford uh, by loads. We've had eight wins by three or more goals. Uh, the next team after us is Hull, Leeds and Reading with four wins by three or plus goals. And then it's Fulham, Preston, Stoke and West Brom with three wins of uh, um, three or plus goals. And our wins are Derby, Swansea, Wigan, Luton, Bristol City, Hull, Sheffield, Wednesday and Reading. So... Uh, that, and again, I think that contributes to the fact that we have got such a ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous goal difference. And if you look at that goal difference, I mean, at the moment now, we'll talk about the league table a little bit later when it's all settled up. But we are two points behind West Brom before their game at Sheffield Wednesday. But also, if you look at it, if it comes to a case of us playing a game, then playing the game, the goal difference is the one that counts. And we have got a goal difference, I think, of at least 10 more than they do. So it... it, it Everything is shaping up sort of quite nicely, but we've still got a long way to go, haven't we? Yeah, I mean, I mean, the point about us winning games by three goals or more makes complete and utter sense because we are, you know, we are at our absolute best when we suck teams in and we hit them. And, you know, it is counter-attacking football. It's playing with pace and all that stuff. Once we get 1-0 up, we are very hard to beat because because we will pick teams off and score a second and then they have to throw more at us and then we pick them off again and score a third and then they basically have to throw the towel in. So I, I'm not, you know, even uh, that was a completely obvious stat to me. A, a good stat, Bill. I don't mean it was a bad stat, but that doesn't surprise me in the least because we play the sort of football that will mean you're going to win games 3 4 5 nil. Does anybody think that Pinnock has stepped up another gear since the restart as well? I mean, you know, he's been good for us all season and I think some of us have underrated him um, when he was um, holding together the defence, particularly since January while Pontus was out. But since Pontus has been back, Pinnock has grown another uh, seemingly five foot in stature in in the way that he plays, whether that's because he's knows that he's absolutely confident about the person he's got playing alongside him, whether he's got full confidence or whether it's because actually he's being talked to and tutored by one of the best defenders in the business. Um, I, I, I don't know, but, um, you know, him and, and, and the other one, who, of course, who always gets underrated, and I'm as guilty of this as anybody, Rico Henry, who since the restart has been immense for us. Um, and it's been, it's been like having all this. Rico Henry has been as much an attacking force as he has been in a defending force for us. Um, fantastic performance. But no, Pinnock's definitely gone up a notch since the re- restart, and I'd love to know what the reason was for that. Like, to be honest, I think that what happens is, and we see it a lot with players, and I'm sure you know you, you, this will ring a bell with you, is that when you have a break, um, and it's normally at the end of a season, the beginning of a season, you have a period of time where players can reset, refocus, they can, re- they can even retrain to some extent, change their body to, to some extent in terms of their training. And essentially, they'll come back a different player. And we've had that opportunity. I think that they've had more time not playing than they would normally during a, during a, a break between two seasons. And you often see a player, you know, jump to another level 
at the beginning of a new season and you just go, wow, this is this player's moved on to another level this season. Um, especially players that are in their first, their second season at a club. You know, the first season they're finding their feet, they're playing in a system they've not played before. And I, I think that that's exactly what's happened. I don't think it's just Pinnock either. I think there's a few players. I think with Rico Henry, it's probably a bit more about fitness because this is this has been his opportunity to have a, have a, you know, a really good period, to have a break, have a rest. We all know that Rico has had injury issues over the years, but now he's, he's you know, he's, he's played three quarters of the season or two thirds of the season. He's had that break, that opportunity to reset and to give his body a break and a rest. And then he's come back into it flying. For me, again, I mean, Rico has been brilliant. You know, I, I, you know, I love Kinnock. I mean, I think he's just getting better and better. And like I said to you, the best defensive last pairing, but you know, the best defence in the league, you know, better than Leeds United or equal to Leeds United at the moment now, should I say, you know, and uh, th that was coming from January and, and then Pontus got injured, then it all went a little bit horrible, but we're back in there as, again, like you said, but also the player to me, who's one who's just causing problems, because I think people don't really know how to deal with him, Josh De Silva, you know, he's only 21 years old, you know, against Reading, he had 35 touches, 91% pass accuracy, he had two key passes, he had 100% long ball success and he scored a goal. You know, the way that he got that goal, he took the shot, <laughs> it rebounded and he ran from the edge of the area and put the ball into the back of the net. I mean, the Reading fans are absolutely screwed about that. But Joshua Silva, again, he set up the goal against uh, West Brom. Was it, was it West Brom um, that he set up the goal? Or was it Fulham? Oh, God, you know, it all starts to blur into one now as well. I think it was West Brom. But Joshua Silva is one of those players who... You know, he's a, he's a central midfielder, so he kind of plays deep, but then obviously he attacks as well. And he, people just don't really know kind of how to handle him. He's strong. Um, he, he knows how to hold players off. He knows how to hold the ball. He knows how to thread a pass. I mean, I think he's, he's tremendous and he's still got a long way to go. He, he's he's um he's quite a big guy you know he's got he's a he's, he's a he's quite a unit isn't he and he and that helps because that that gives him that strength and I, I think with the goal last night it also means that when he's he was moving forwards he took the shot and then that he still had that momentum going he hadn't really managed to stop when the goalkeeper fumbled it and then he that momentum helped carry him to the ball first he was actually behind quite a few players who were rooted to the spot but because he was sort of moving forwards he could then pick up the pace and and win the ball um from the from off the goalkeeper so that that was yeah that that was spot on. i mean i'm just thinking you know we're, we're, we're obviously you know we've got a long way to go we're going to talk about you know um maybe future fixtures we're going to talk about future teams um but we've got a revel in the moment okay and i mean that was a tremendous performance there's an argument to say that this is at the moment now the team and the way they're playing is as good we're at the sort of the, the top of where we've ever been at brentford um, have we peaked too early, do you think? No, because because we had to peak literally from the moment that the season restarted. If there's any chance of getting to the top two, you, you can't peak too early. You've got to stay peaked for nine games. You can't give up hardly. You know, you're not going to be able to give up many points if we're going to finish in the top two. If we hit the playoffs after a disappointment of just missing out on the top two, yes, maybe you've got a point. We will have peaked too early because then we're going to have to peak again in the playoffs. I think it all depends on who we meet in the playoffs, if, if, if a playoff situation it is. But uh, I go back to what I said earlier about the psychology of this team. They really are, they've been t taught how to win. Um, and sometimes they'll, I, I'm, I'm certain that this is a team that, if necessary, will grind out a 1-0 victory. But if, as Matt said earlier, if we go 1-0 up, then the, 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 sky's, the sky's the limit. Um, uh, We'll move on later on to who we might feel might try and damp, dampen that squib. But 
I'm just so impressed by the way that the team has come out the blocks running. And I haven't got the stat in front of me, but I reckon since the restart, we must have scored more goals, have we, than any other team coming out? Coming out certainly, certainly, and as you say, Bill, certainly we. I can't remember us having seen us play three games consistently well as we have done. Right, listen, much, much more football to talk about now. We're going to take a little rest, a little bit of a break, go off and get a drink, then we'll come back straight after this twang. So the league's getting rather tasty now. You know, the victory that we had as well, you know, West Brom currently, as we're recording this podcast, gone 1-0 ahead by a penalty. Charlie Austin penalty ahead at Sheffield Wednesday, who Sheffield Wednesday apparently are playing decent football, but it doesn't look like they were creating anything. They're passing the ball around a lot, probably had plenty of possession, and West Brom just I mean, just just delivered. You know, the one chance that they've had, they put it in the back of the net. But, I mean, a few things are starting to take shape here, aren't they, the Allard? Yeah, I think I think they are. I think the the playoffs are are, are open at the moment. Um, you know, I, I the only team that's going to catch Leeds or West Brom is us. I don't see anybody else catching them. The playoffs themselves. Um, I, I think Brentford Forest, uh, even Fulham won yesterday in the end, didn't they? Even though they started off, they've come back pretty ugly. Um, I would think they're still going to make it. And then you're really looking at Cardiff, Derby. Derby look like the team on the move at the moment. Um, you would probably have them down to maybe make the um, the fourth playoff team. Um, I, I, Derby are interesting, though, because that running is big, isn't it? They've still got to play us. They've still got to play West Brom. Pretty sure they've still got to play Leeds as well. It could be the Derby results that actually decide who finishes in the top two. Yeah, and also, I mean, Preston... You know, they played Derby today again. Preston haven't, I mean, they just haven't won for months, have they? They're just, they can't score goals, you know. It looks like, you know, Preston are at the moment looking out the picture, which in a, in a strange way is a bit of a shame because, uh, I mean, we obviously we're playing them in a few weeks. We want to beat everybody. Um, it, it, we can, but if Preston are kind of sort of, you know, wavering, <laughs> it's almost like the kind of team that, that you want to have in the playoffs because you, you don't really want to play any, any t- tough teams, especially with our playoff record, do you? The only team I don't want to meet in the playoffs, if the playoffs it is, is Forest um, because they know how to shut us down. They demonstrated that when they came to our place. Um, by God, they were dull football team. Um, and they knew exactly what they needed to do to stifle us, to stifle our creativity. So uh, meeting Forest in the playoffs would be something I dread. Not, you know, Fulham, Cardiff, Derby. I can't see, I can't see it between anybody else. Between, I reckon the the, the race for the playoffs is between Car- Cardiff and Derby, six and uh, six and seven, as it currently stands as we speak. And they're two, you know, two relatively okay on form teams. I mean, it's interesting because before the, I mean, we went down to Derby and we were two nil up, and then they came back to two all, and we were, I was really gutted with that result. Because at the time I thought, oh, you know, no, we, we, sorry, we went down to Cardiff. And I just thought, you know, oh, we could have, you know, we should have taken this game. This was our game in the bag. You know, we're, we're drawing to Cardiff. But to be fair, they've actually been kind of, they've been quite on it. And after that, um, I think they had a little bit of a dip. But, um, but they've, they've come back into it after the break and they're actually quite a strong side. And uh, if anything, that was actually quite a good away point for us, even though we were 2-0 two, two ahead. And it just goes to show you because a lot of the Cardiff fans 
were really gutted when they were talking about sort of decide the league on points per game. And they're going, you know, what about us? You know, we're, we're on a roll at the moment now. You know, we've got Tomlin who's come back from injury. You know, he's a really key player for us. You know, we think we could be in there. And I was thinking, mm, you, you're already saying that. But actually, they're the team that, you know, the statisticians at the moment now are saying are nailed on for sixth place at the moment now. I mean, they're, they're way ahead of where Derby are seen as at the moment now. You know, I think it's, you know, they've got like 61% chance, they believe that they're going to actually make uh, make the playoffs. I, I might be wrong with that figure. I'll have to check it out in a bit. But I think my point is they've kind of come slightly out of nowhere to actually kind of cement themselves in the sixth place. And it's it's for them to kind of mess up for actually for Derby to actually slip in there. And I think Derby's tough run of games possibly might undo them. But as the Allard said, if, if they actually get the results they're meant to, they're going to do us some serious favour. It's probably probably quite a good thing that Derby are, are, are doing well at the moment. Yeah, no doubt. I, I think, um, I mean, I watched Derby Preston today, Preston at lacklustre. Um, and I think we'll see more of that as teams drop fall into mid-table. Um, I don't see how they pick themselves up really now. Uh, Cardiff, I mean, they're, they're strong, aren't they? They're, they're a tough team. I mean, we, we know what Neil Harris has did at Millwall um, and we know who managed Cardiff before he took over so you know that's a physical team um, I would fancy our chances against them uh, I, I over two games I think we'd be alright I also think we'd be alright against Forest over two games now I, I know what Nick says but there is no way they are going to shut the door on us for two more games that is not going to happen Right, big game coming up on big game coming up on Saturday, isn't it? Derby are playing Forest on Saturday um, at Derby. Although that is, I mean, that is a big game, and, and the Forest game, which finished probably about fifteen minutes ago as well, they played Bristol City. They got a one nil win against City with Silver scoring that. And again, you know, we always come down to the stats because it's just good to get an idea of you know of exactly what was going on there. You know, um, from the XG um, front, Forest got 0.53 to Bristol City's 0.89. So again, it wasn't a particularly uh, chance. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a goal fest. It wasn't a chance fest. You know, there was a, a sort of a little bit of activity in the in the area, the Forest, but they didn't really create that much, but they scored the goal. They, they scored that one chance that they got. So it kind of backs up what the Liberals said, where they sort of kind of keep things tight and they kind of don't really do that much up front. But then afterwards, when they get that chance, they seem to score, which is the really annoying thing and the frustrating thing about Forest. The one thing I'd say about us, opposed to, you know, when we played them, because we played them twice now and they've beaten us twice, is um, defensively we are stronger than we were when we played them them two times. So we can play them at that game and we can hold them out. And also we are much faster and much more dangerous on the break. So I would say over two games, I would like to think that we'd be able to uh, to, to out-tactic them, the Allard. Yeah, no, I agree. I, there's no way they're going to stop us. Um, not for Not two more games. Maybe one of the two, but I, I can't see it. I just, yeah, we will, we will at some point reap our rewards against Forest. I'm sure. Um, uh, for Forest, it's you know, Graven scores a goal, they win. That's kind of the story. I know it's slightly different tonight. Um, I, I, I think we'd be all right against Forest, um, but I'm still looking up. I'm still looking up to the top two, Nick. Mind you, the way the fixtures are coming out, if we are in the playoffs, and you know. If big if, because like you, Matt, I have full confidence we'll be in the top two. We would be likely to meet actually either Fulham, you know, probably almost certainly Fulham. I, I, I what so Fulham are going to finish six? Is that is that your theory? Yeah, right. yeah, that's my. Theory. I mean, almost yeah. certainly seems quite a 
I'm not sure they're two words that go with any picking any team out of the out of their out of the top six. It's seven games to go, six games to go. Sorry, that's that's 18 points. I just I, just Fulham Fulham got enough quality to be surely in the playoffs. Aren't they? I mean Fulham, yeah, Fulham Fulham will be. I think Fulham will be in the playoffs. Whether or not they'll drop to six for me, I'm seeing Fulham. You know, as a fifth place team at the moment now. Um, I think you know the way it's looking at Forest sort of kind of chiseling away. You know whether or not they finish fifth or whether they finish fourth, it doesn't really matter. They'll still play the same team, you know, in uh, in, in stadiums behind closed doors. So it's a, a same situation, you know. At the moment, Brentford carry on doing what we're doing. I mean, we, we shouldn't be presumptuous because you know we are two points ahead of Forest, um, and you know, okay, we're, we're sort of two points, stroke five points behind West Brom at the moment now, depending on how their results go. So, you know, it's a case of us almost like looking down below us to see kind of where we are. But obviously, we probably, I'd say that I'd still rather finish third if we're going to finish third. We'd love to get second if we can do. We finish third, looking at sixth place team and uh, and then do what we need to do then. But um, Fulham, you know, lacking Mitrovic, they got, uh, they got a win. Some people saying that they felt it was a lucky win against QPR. QPR saw the back end of that game where they actually hit the crossbar in the final few minutes there as well. So that went with Fulham, but they still got a few tricky games to go as well. So again, you know, that bodes well for us because even though we are well and truly in the playoff zone as well, we still want to make sure that we maintain that momentum. You know, we don't want to, um, we don't want to be falling out of this. We don't want to be sort of kind of limping over the line as we've seen so many teams do when they come to the playoffs and then you go to the playoffs on a, on a bad run, especially if you've got teams like Derby who are kind of just chiseling their way in and they're just doing all right. And, you know, they're going to be full of confidence with, with any playoff team that they're going to be playing because no one's expecting or no one was expecting them to be there. I think the only team that's going to limp over the line is Leeds. They're going to go up, but they're going to limp up, I tell you. Well, tell you something off. I wouldn't mind limping in, in first spot. If I could swap places and do a bit of limping like Leeds are doing, you know, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be very happy. I said, other than that, listen, game's coming thick and fast. After the weekend again, we should have another little look and see how things are sort of panning out in the league because things are changing all the time, you know. Um, but at the moment now, things are obviously looking very good for Brentford. You know, we're up to, I think it's about 68% chance of, of getting promotion by 538, which is a, a site that we use quite a lot because they try and predict, you know, not only how the results are going to go, how the league's going to pan out, who's going to be finished first, second and third. They've still got the prediction of Leeds as being first, West Brom being second, Brentford being third, even though they've got us as being the, the second best team. But I think that we're running out of games and looking at the opposition. And I think that West Brom has still got enough of the can to get them into second place. But everything changes game after game. So, uh, yeah, listen, smile on the face. Things are looking all right. But look, we've got a game at the weekend that we need to look forward to. That game is against Wigan. They're coming down to Griffin Park. Let's have a little bit of a chat about Wigan. So, games are coming thick and fast now. And Saturday, we've got a huge, huge game as Wigan come down to Griffin Park. Down from the DW. Fortress Griffin Park, as we'd like to say. You know, even though it might not have fans in it, we've tried to deck it out. So it's actually got a bit of a vibe around it. And like I said to you, Wigan are coming down and Wigan are one of the form teams. So we need to make sure that we are totally on point. Now, to find out a little bit more about Wigan, we've got our man over there. He knows everything about Wigan. Adam from the PWU podcast. Adam, how are you doing? I'm not too up, Billy. Yourself? 
I'm all right, actually. I mean, I'm probably a little bit better than you at the moment. I mean, we had a great result last night against Reading, so I'm very happy, still smiling. You've had some great results, and you had a game last night as well. And I'll tell you something, you're on fire. I mean, just like Brentford, we beat Reading last night as well. And you had a victory last night, which should make you feel as happy as I have. But you had a bit of a bomb dropped on you today, didn't you? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, biggest shock. Well, biggest shock, really, since we all got put into lockdown, I guess, uh, back in March, in the sense that uh, we've been put into administration um, early lunchtime-ish. The news started to filter through. Um, no wind of this whatsoever, no hint of it, not the usual kind of stuff that you get in these situations like players not getting paid or that kind of stuff. Just simply statement out there, we can place into administration. Uh, and the even bigger shock because we've only just changed um, ownership uh, about a month ago, taken out of public ownership in Hong Kong into um, uh, private ownership. So gone through all the fit and proper person's tests with the uh, Football League um, and a month down the line we're in administration the first I guess post-Covid probably not the last but it re massive shot for Wigan fans I don't think anybody has seen it coming and it, it's really irrespective of our form it's sustainability of, of your club really and you know it's very very worrying at the moment I mean I've got to ask the question I mean you, you said you got taken over by a new owner very very recently and this has happened very quickly after, you know, after the takeover. I mean, you know, we're, you know, only a couple of games into the season. And I know that everyone's not having the greatest time at the moment now. But, I mean, I've got to put a few question marks as to an owner sort of taking a club over and then putting them into administration so quickly. Absolutely. Lots of questions that need to be answered there. Um, I mean, there, is a, there was a continuity. We discussed this on the podcast, actually, the first one back after the, uh, after the break. And there was an element of continuity with one of the directors is um, part of the partnership that took over. So there was a continuity. We retained the people who were running things on a day-to-day -day basis on the board uh, as well. Um, so we, it was, we, we were sold it as more of a technical thing, really, to get away from some of the um, regulatory requirements of being publicly owned. Um, so there was no real major cause for concern. So that, that, but now, absolutely right with the question that you've asked there, because how has this been able to occur? You know, we, even last week we were offering contract extensions. You know, so biz, business is, is going as usual. We all our players extended that we needed to. We've even offered some uh, ex extensions of one year. So there's nothing. There's nothing in there that makes it look like this was a club in in trouble, apart from. Every club at the moment who is in clearly in some sort of trouble because of COVID, but we were no no different to any other club in my view. So it's a huge shock for Wigan fans. I mean, and let's just talk about Wigan. I said you, I mean, you had a you had a great result last night. I mean, again, just talk us through the game yesterday. Oh, it's fantastic. I would say yesterday was the performance of the season. We dominated Stoke from start to finish. Um, it's, it's unusual when you can actually say three 0 flatters you. Probably actually. Wigan's 3-0 defeat to Brentford earlier in the season probably flattered us. Uh, that level of dominance uh, was in play last night over Stoke. We, we attacked well. Uh, there's a real solidity now in the, in the defence. And, we, you know, we're, we're bossing, bossing the midfield, creating lots of chances. It's good to watch as well. I mean, I don't know about yourself, but a lot of the football I've watched hasn't been particularly great in general, particularly the Premier League. But 
really enjoyed the three Wigan games, playing some really good football, looking like we can score goals. And, you know, as I said, we've got that nice solidity now at the back. Like seven clean sheets in a, in a row in a championship level. That is absolutely phenomenal. And Jack Butland, I mean, he didn't do himself any favours. He, he, wasn't, he wasn't in glory last night at all, was he? No, absolutely not. Uh, he, he was certainly uh, at fault for two of the goals. I mean, you could even say the third one in a way. Um, some keepers would save, would save that. It's amazing how you can go from being... Um, international goalkeeper two years ago to just completely gone uh, you know just the basics of goalkeeping he's obviously his confidence is shot but they they are a club uh, stoke city are a club in in big trouble uh, they, they, they showed absolutely nothing uh, last last night i think they need to be very worried about potentially getting relegated I must admit, I did look at the table again, as I did quite a lot last night. Um, it was one of those table-steering ones, you know, when you're, I was looking at the gap between us and West Brom, it's two points, and then I looked at the bottom and I thought, my word, Stoke have really been dragged into this, and I thought they were well out of it. But, you know, coming back to Wigan, I mean, you are unbeaten in nine games, which is wicked as well. It's the longest unbeaten run in the Championship. I mean, how have you turned it around? Uh, I don't think, I mean, obviously your experience of Wigan this season was the game you dominated, obviously. But very few games have been like that, really. We've been in winning positions uh, before Christmas, winning positions in most of our matches, dropped 30 points from winning positions. So we were well in games. It was just that psychology of conceding the late goals. I mean, the biggest one was uh, at Luton, 1-0 up, 89 minutes, managed to lose a game 2-1. Uh, you know, that, that says it all, really. Since... Since we got over the line on the 1st of January against Birmingham and we won a game 3-2, uh, since since that point, we seem to have that confidence now to to see the matches out. We're, I think we've just, just developed as a team. We had a lot of new signings and I think they, they can manage the games a lot better. We're doing exactly the same as we were in the early parts of games, but it's just the way we managed that last sort of 10 to 15 minutes, really, you know, and, and how we've dealt with that. Um, we've become stronger in the later stages of games. Two late goals against Blackburn on, on, on Saturday, uh, for example. So I think it's just maybe a bit of confidence, the psychology. It all goes into creating these uh, unbeaten sequences. Uh, as you well know, it can easily swing the other way where you go eight or nine and you can't buy a point. You know, those that, that type of situation. So, yeah, I, I don't think we're doing too much differently. Um, just, just that sort of a uh, little bit more know-how, really, in getting over the line. And you've had more points in 2020 than any other championship side. You've got 30 points in 2020. You, you're quite an attacking side, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, I would say that. Yeah, because we we only have the we only really have the two uh, centre midfield players who, who you would class sit in that midfield area. Um, the the third player then becomes kind of an attacker, and then we we do have the two wide players who really do push up. Both the full-backs love to get forward, um, Robinson and, and, and Byrne. Um, so really, you know, we got a little bit of protection from the excellent Sam Morsey captain in midfield. Well, pretty much him and then just the, the two centre-backs, really, who are uh, doing the defending. But obviously, they're doing a great job of it. It shows you don't have to set up defensively to have a good record in terms of clean sheet. You know, we're not, we're not defending a lot. We're just... We just got a very controlled way of playing. We're not really conceding lots of chances. Goalkeepers making on average maybe one or two saves a game. So it's we've obviously got a, a nice way of playing that is restrict, restricting the opposition uh, to chances. Now at the moment we haven't hit that team 
who are also on great form. So I guess that feeds into Saturday, really. And, and obviously, with the added psychology of what's going on in the background, they're only human beings, these footballers. It has to impact on them in some, in some way. So maybe that would give Brentford that extra bit of advantage. And that's what I was, you know, that's what I was going to ask. I mean, obviously, like I said, fairly attacking side. You've done really well, picked up all these points, but you are playing against the team with the tightest defence in the league. I mean, us and Leeds United, um, I should have checked before the end, but before I checked, I think us, us and Leeds United have the tightest defences in the league. So you're going to have to try and breach our defence. With that, and also what's been going on with the, the whole club and the administration thing, do you think this may have an effect? And how do you think that you're going to deal with Brentford? Well, it, it would have been a very, very difficult game anyway. Um, I mean, you saw my team of the year. I had a couple of uh, Brentford forwards in there. Um, interestingly, I, don't, I associate Brentford with great attacking football, like to watch them pleasing on the eye. Didn't really, I don't look at the stats as closely. I wouldn't have necessarily thought about them in terms of the defensive um, defensive stability that they have and um, and obviously that record is, is phenomenal um, so it would have been an absolutely the, the real challenge but I was looking forward to the challenge of, of the game really um, you know we've been playing really good intricate football but clearly playing against a good unit that's very very well organized could we breach that I like these questions there were questions that we didn't know the answer to until Saturday but I was quite confident that we would probably give Brentford the toughest game since the uh, since the restart, um, and and you could look at it towards us as well. This is a defence that's not been breached in seven matches. So it, despite having you know two players that Ben Ben Ram and Watkins that I selected for my team of the year, I thought that would be a nice challenge. Really, and I, it, it was all looking like a, a really good match, but. It can go one of two ways, can't it, with these things. If everyone buys into it, siege mentality, the manager says, let's, you know, we've got six games left, let's just roll our sleeves up. But the other way it can go is that so much inherent uncertainty, it's difficult for some players to, to, to process that really. So I guess we're not really gonna know until we until we sort of kick off and get into the first ten minutes on Saturday how how it, how it's going to go. Uh, because if we if we play like we have been doing the last few weeks, I think we'll give Brentford a good game. It'll be it won't be like the long last year when you know it was men against men against boys really last last year. I think I think it would have been a competitive game. So hopefully, you know, it's not going to have uh, too big an effect on the mentality of the players, and we we can put up a strong performance on Saturday. Brentford fans were very nervous about this one. Obviously, you know we. It, we're right to be as well with your record. The fact that you know you haven't let in goals, the fact that you're winning, you've got you know the fact that you're on a proper roll. We've said straight up that this is going to be our toughest game of the season so far. But then just looking back a bit, you know our front three they scored 49 goals between them. You know that's Bumo, that is Watkins, and that's Ben Rama. You know, but saying that we're also scoring all over the park. I mean central midfielder Josh De Silva, who you know sometimes people sort of see him as a more of a defensive player with an attacking lilt to him. He's notched up nine goals this season. You know he scored um, yesterday against Reading as well. So um, I'm just wondering what does Wigan have in their tank to stop us? You put, you're certainly putting the fragments on the side, Billy. With what you just, uh, you're certainly giving a good advert for Brentford getting promoted. I think with those statistics, but um, well, I think I think in midfield, I think we've got a good partnership there in the midfield now with uh, Morsi and Williams. Um, 
and it doesn't matter it doesn't seem to matter to them who they're up playing against you know Stoke City fielded six international players last night and they just have a good way of playing together if one of them attacks the other one the other one sits uh, if the energy levels you know I've been really impressed with that so Brentford will have to be super fit to cope with Wigan's energy levels um, the centre-back partnership uh, Cedric Cedric Kipre is improving all the time. Um, he's played now in the last 20 matches, played every minute of the last 20 matches. And alongside Leon Balagon, who's, who came in, he's now been released by Brighton, but initially came in on loan for Brighton. Very solid, very cool, calm customer. And I do think that we've got to, we've got to attack. We can't sit back and let Brentford pick us off. So I think the full-backs will be quite crucial on Saturday. To see whether you know our fullbacks Burn and Robinson sort of can maybe get your more attacking players maybe having to do some defensive work um, as well. Um, Kiefer Moore's been in reasonable form before the lockdown, hasn't scored yet, but your centre backs will know they've been in the game, and, and I think it'll be a good match with uh, if, if Janssen's playing at the back because uh, I think those two uh, be a very interesting matchup. Um, uh, he's a strong player, he's got a very good touch uh, and he brings players into the game quite well and he scores those kind of headed goals uh, quite a lot sort of coming in at the far post so um, yeah I think we've got areas where we can hurt you but you know even before you threw those stats at me I know what a good side Brentford are, they've been floating around there for the last couple of seasons I know last year was a little bit of a maybe transitional potentially periods where you didn't maybe live up to the expectations of the start of the season after Smith had left but probably the most impressive side I've seen this season at the uh, at the DW um, and I think all Wigan fans despite the form that we've been in I think all thought that this is, is going to be our toughest game left this season you know and we still got to play Fulham at home but I think we see this as a as a tougher tougher game really and, and we're all I think we're all absolutely gutted that we can't visit really because you know we've been one of the last clubs to visit Griffin Park, and we, you know we've always had a good day out uh, at Brentford really. So in that things pretty pretty sad really, but obviously there are other things going on in the world that uh, puts that into perspective really. The game on Saturday it's a big game, as we know. Uh, one of our other fears is the fact that you know um, you know other than the fact that we don't want to see other you know we don't want to see other football clubs go down we want all the clubs in the league to be you know to be maintained and to carry on and this is a really really sad situation but it's also really worrying for the future you know will we have you know 72 clubs in the football league or 71 you know as it may be 71 72 clubs in the football league left you know what's going to be happening for the following season but coming back to this also from a Wigan's point of view you're going to actually be want to be fighting even harder because if this points deduction comes in it's going to have you very very close to the relegation zone where at the moment now you're definitely one of those mid-table teams who probably couldn't go up or probably couldn't go down and that is actually probably going to impact on the game yeah i mean we certainly absolutely can't be on the beach i mean i think paul cook said maybe one more win but personally we've done enough uh, without the point deduction to stay up and that just that little bit of an edge could be switched off that just that little edge that you might have with uh, games that matter um but clearly, you know, we the points deduction, which will be administered for going into administration, which will apply to us, 12-point deduction now puts us from eight points clear, relative mid-table safety, 
to four points adrift of safety. You know, and you know that could be if we lose on Saturday, that could be five or six with five to play. We've got the right characters. Like Sam Morsey, you know, he's a really, you know, he's been captain now for three seasons and he's been at Wigan for five years and, you know, he's a real character and hopefully the captain, he can get them all up for this because he's going to have, him and Cook are going to have massive roles over the next couple of days just to keep that morale level up really because, you know, a lot of these people have really bought into Wigan. You know, the, the stuff that they've done, you know, the bits of charity work in the community, you know, the other thing is we've got a fantastic new setup coming through as well. You know, all that investment that's been put in there. We've got, we've got really good youth teams, uh, all age levels. They're now coming through into the first team. Um, and, you know, it, it, it could all disappear. So it's very worrying for us. As I said, you, you're absolutely right. I think it's worrying for other clubs uh, as well. Um, and, and I, th I do think it, it could give that Wigan that little bit of extra edge. They certainly can't be on the beach um, now at this stage of the season with the with, with the points deducted. It's going to be very touch and go whether we stay in the Championship. And that could be very important for attracting future investment. And talking about the points here as well, I mean, we use 538 a lot here on Besotted as well you know it's a stats site where they, they they predict all sorts of stuff you know and uh, and they've got an end of season predictor here where uh, the latest one that, they have, that they've put up after yesterday's game has Wigan finishing 15th place with 58 points at the end of the season just above QPR Reading and Middlesbrough and Charlton they're fairly mid-table there however that doesn't have the 12 point deduction because what they have is they have the bottom three teams they predict Hull are going to be third from bottom with 50 points Barnsley second from bottom with 48 points and Luton bottom with 47 points but with Wigan's deduction on the points they predicted 58 points take 12 points off that that's 46 points which puts them kind of second bottom-ish so it looks like depending on how true these predictions are and how we can play they could be tussling to be in or out of those relegation places it's going to be very tight as to whether or not it's going to happen or not so and i think that's why we're emphasizing that this match is going to be even more important yeah because i'm i mean i'm presuming take factored into that would be a brentford win on i can't see anything other than that, basically on the basis of all stats because if it's the same we're going to pick up eight points before the end of the season, I can't see that applying to the uh, Brentford game. That will be given as a Brentford home win. So if we can get anything from that game, then that's already, if you like, a bonus point uh, for Wigan. I think a lot of people will have that as a home banker. Despite Wigan's form, Brentford's form is equal to that. And obviously they are third in the league. They've been consistent all over the season. Um, and it's the reason why they're pushing for promotion and we're kind of in the lower reaches of the mid-table at the moment. So, Adam, listen, I've got to call you up here and ask for your school prediction. Do you know what? I, I think it could be one of those really tight games. And no, I don't like to predict this as a score, but I would definitely take it nil-nil. Oh, he's going, he's going <laughs> complete safety factor. And that's fair enough, actually, because you're seven games without letting in the goal in a row. So, uh, yeah, we won't give you that one. But anyway, we'll probably talk about this on our pod. We're definitely going to talk about this on our podcast a bit later. But listen, Adam, listen, good luck with everything. Good luck with the club. Good luck with the administration. hope it all goes well. I don't wish you 100% luck on Saturday, obviously, because we need the points. But after that, fingers crossed that everything goes all right for you. Yeah, same to you. Best of luck with the promotion, uh, promotion push. And fingers crossed we meet again.
in the football match. That's the main thing, isn't it? That's right. Wicked event. All right. Take care. Cheers. Thanks. Bye. So, Wigan, Griffin Park, Saturday, big game. We've heard there from Adam, who is really confident, said they've been playing some great football. He's, you know, I'm not being funny, their record speaks for itself. And we, we've been saying it's going to be one of the toughest games this season. And then, bang, that bombshell's come in and they're we put into administration. We've got absolutely no idea how that's going to affect them. Is it going to make them even more, fight even more? because they might be in danger of losing points and then, well, they are, well, they're going to lose points and in danger of relegation, or is it just going to knock the wind out of the players? You know, they're not getting paid, so they, they, you know, they're not going to turn up. I mean, I've got no idea how this is going to affect that Wigan team. Um, the one thing you know is obviously that we're very, very professional, so we'll just be concentrating on our game. But Wigan has sort of taken a strange little turn on Saturday, hasn't it? Yeah, I'd agree. It's, um, it, you it's always difficult. You can talk about teams, you can talk about stuff like that um, and, and, and how they're playing football. And, and clearly Wigan are one of the teams in form. I think over the last five games and over the last 10 games, they're in the top two in the form table. Uh, but this puts a whole different uh, you know, pers- perspective on it. And, and it's difficult to know what the atmosphere is. You're not going to find out what the atmosphere is at the club unless somebody breaks ranks, you know, one of the players or something. Are they being paid? Will they be being paid? Are they worried? Is it going to affect them? What's going on in training? You know, did they waste a day today not training because they had to sit down and be briefed on everything that's going on? It's difficult for us to, to, to know at the moment. Um, uh, there's two sides to this. Um, it's a very, very sad thing for most of the people involved with Wigan. Um, and that, and by that, I mean anybody that, that is doing things properly um, involved in Wigan. It, it's a very sad day and that's supporters, players, staff, etc., etc. Um In purely football in terms, it probably doesn't matter. Um, it, it may well play into our hands. Difficult to know, isn't it? Because uh, really, if Wigan are str- struggling, what they'll want to be doing is, is racking up the points so that if they do stay up and get the 12 points, um, deduction at the end of the season that will be enough to keep them up so it's a bit difficult to know whether the players will be absolutely putting their heart and soul into making sure that they get enough points so that when the points are deducted they're, they're not in that bottom three um, and also I guess some of them will also be looking to put on a performance so that you know they'll be picked up by other clubs but the problem is is I think you know they're not going to be the first to go into admin um, uh, because of what's happened in the last few months, and they may well, there may well be other clubs who will be joining an administration before this season gets completed. Um, so that is a worry um, for football as a whole, because nobody wants to see clubs going down. I mean, you know, once this is all over, we should have a big discussion about what the future of football will look like, um, because there are some major changes coming down coming down the road and it ain't going to be pretty I suggest in the next uh, three or four months for a number of football clubs thank God for Matthew Benham thank God for where we are I mean we talked to Adam I mean about again we refer to 538 who do their predictors as to how teams are going to do and they predicted Wigan to finish 15th in the league at the end of the season with 58 points and their chances of relegation was like less than one percent basically that was it they were done they were sorted they were fine 
But all of a sudden now, with the minus 12 points, that would actually take them from 58 points down to 46 points, which would actually take them on this table, if their predictor was right, down to second bottom. 46 points would actually take them to bottom of the league, actually, because Luton, they predict, are going to finish bottom with 47, Barnsley with 48, and Hull City with 50. Again, this could all go, you know, pear-shaped, but that gives you a fair idea using all the predictor guns. So it goes to show you how much of a predicament Wigan are in. And as Adam says, you know, the, the points that have been predicted for them to get uh, don't include the Brentford points. So they, pres they presumed we're going to win this game as well. So he said for them, it shows even how much more important it is for them to win that game because all of a sudden if they win that game and then kind of do win all the other games that they're meant to and draw them it actually gives them a fighting chance of just about slipping out of relegation even if they get the 12 points uh, deducted so i know we're talking a lot about the other team because we are a very good team but it just goes to show you how this game has sort of panned out to probably be even more difficult than it was before yeah i, I... Is it more difficult? I mean, I, it, you just don't know how they're going to be able to prepare for the game. Is it more difficult um, or does it play into our hands? You, you, I, I'm not sure at the moment. Um, OK, you, there may be an argument they're going to be fighting for their lives. There may be an argument they've got other things on their minds. So, uh, and we're not going to know. It's going to be very, very hard for us to, 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 to judge that. I'm sure as a Wigan supporter, you are hoping, you know, that they are going to be fighting for their lives. And if they are, they're going to be a very, very, very tough um, proposition on, at the weekend. Um, we know they got, you know, we know they got some good players. Um, we talked about Jamal Lowe, Jamal Lowe a lot over the years. I have anyway, bought you senseless with him. Um, but you know, I, so I don't know. We're gonna. It's going to be interesting to, to to see how how they approach Saturday. Flip it round though. We are on an absolute cracking run of form, um, and you know this. I, the players' confidence is up. They all want to continue uh, playing in the style that we've all enjoyed over the last three games. They'll be wanting to actually really, really make their mark um, on the division. They'll want to be securing at least a third place. Um, if not, as we've always said, we reckon we can certainly be challenging for that second one or two spots. So let's be positive about it. You know, Brentford will just say, sorry, Wigan. Boom! Here we go. You know, and another another team demolished on our way towards that promised land of the Premier League. And talking about Wigan's style, I mean their style of play. Their strengths is uh, their attacking set pieces, and also they create chances through individual skills. So they've got some skillful players. You know, that create a lot of chances. Their weaknesses finishing scoring chances and also protecting the lead as well. And they're very weak at defending set pieces and also avoiding fouling in dangerous areas. Basically, they play with wit. They play down the wings. They try to control the game in, you know, our half as well. They tack down the left quite a lot. They take sort of quite a lot of long shots to do a lot of long balls. They do a lot of crosses. They're quite aggressive as well. You know, they play the offside trap and they, you know, and that's kind of the style. How do you think that will suit us, the Allards? Well, if they're, if they're not very good at defending set pieces, um, the good news is this season we're good at scoring from set pieces. We've, um, we've improved dramatically, even though a lot of people would say our corners are useless. But actually, we're scoring from corners now by simply um, doing this thing where we, we don't even try to put the ball into the mixer during a corner because that's that's the easiest thing to defend. If you know where the ball's going to end up, we put the ball somewhere else. We look for a nod back from Pinnock 
you score a lot of goals from that, but keep that quiet, you know, um, and or, or or not on at the front post. And it, and it's and it's all about basically, um, you know, putting the, their defenders out of position. You know, it's it's much easier to zonally mark a corner when the corner's coming straight in than it is once the ball's hit somebody else or been propelled by somebody else or been passed by somebody else. It sounds to me as though, and I, I, I put my hands up and say that I haven't seen Wigan play this season at all, but it sounds to me that if they're losing the ball in our half, that is good news as well because, you know, we are brilliant on the break, counter-attacking stuff. Um, Matt's pointed out our, our performance at set-pieces. From what you were telling me, Bill, I would go in uh, cautiously optimistic to this game. Um, that that full of uh, Wigan's weaknesses are strengths that we can exploit. Um, and given given our success to date, I can can't see us not exploiting those weaknesses. I think. I mean, I think it's going to be a really interesting battle because they've got um, they've got very good um, wing backs. You know, they've got this Anthony Robinson character as well, who, who, who's who been highly rated. You know, he was nominated by quite a few fans for the team of the season as well. So, you know, adding that attacking quality as well as the defensive quality as well. Uh, their, their midfield, they say that they've got a bit of bite in midfield as well. So that's going to be interesting to see. You know, we talked about Norgard and how Norgard at the moment now is just taking it up a couple of notches and he's starting to dominate that midfield. So whether or not we're actually going to win that midfield battle, that'll be interesting. And also to see, you know, how our fullbacks are going to be doing actually with a bit of pressure with uh with the, with their you know their wing and and their foot their fullback overlap thing happening as well and so that could be a little bit of a test for us but also on the flip side of that as well if they're playing like that you know our our play on the break and seeing how quickly we break like i said compared to when you see how fulham break or, or don't break as it is you know to see how quickly we break how will that you know or will that actually play into our hands, the Elard. I, I agree. It's that, that that could be a somewhat of a challenge. Um, I just think, yeah, we'll just what we'll need to be is um, is to is to make sure there's always some cover in behind um, Dalesgard or Rico when they when they bomb forwards. Going around the table here, Wigan down at Griffin Park on Saturday. Score prediction. Um, I think that we'll carry marching on. Um, I think it'll be Brentford three, uh, Wigan one. The Liberal two 0 to Brentford. Oh, he's stolen my score, but I'm going to go for that one anyway because it's my lucky score. I'm going to go 2-0 to the mighty, mighty bees on Saturday at Griffin Park. So listen, this is the besotted pride of West London podcast. This has been a great week so far. We're smiling. Our faces are really smiling, but we've still got a big job to do. We're going to come down on Saturday. We're going to be, well, well Saturday the 4th, it's Independence Day. We've been let free. We can actually go to all sorts of different zones to to watch the match on Saturday. Actually, we don't necessarily have to have six people in your house. You can actually pop out and uh, have more of you have a small gathering. So actually, maybe we might have a little small gathering, you know, uh, while we go and watch the match. I'm sure there'll be some gatherings all over West London as we watch it. But like I said to you, make sure you subscribe to us and all your best podcast channels, your Spotify's, your iTunes and everything else like that. And check us out again after the match on Saturday as we watch the games and we watch Brentford as we say come on come on you bees come on you bees The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything. 
from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.